You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Yay! It's been a minute since I've said those words. I hope everyone is doing well. I miss doing this dearly. I really do love doing this show. And I'm trying to bring this sucker back and have guests on regularly. Um, If you think you might be a good candidate for being a guest on the show, or you know someone that might be, please, please drop me a line. James at statesidemgmt.com is my email, or you can find us at statesidemgmt on Instagram. Send us a direct message, and we'll get back to you. For those of you who didn't see the public announcement, Stateside Management just recently partnered with Dave Shapiro, Matt Anderson, and Tim Bohr from Sound Talent Group. Sound Talent Group owns a record label called Velocity Records, obviously Sound Talent the booking agency, they own a streaming service, and a podcast network. And also, like I said, they are co-owners with me with Stateside Management. I couldn't be more excited for this new venture. I feel very blessed, and um, I'm just really excited about this new chapter for Stateside to be able to bring bigger and better opportunities to our clients and any future clients that we may manage and to the artists that our producers are working with. Today's guest is one of those partners, Dave Shapiro. Dave is a wildly interesting guy. He's been working in the music industry for years and years and years. He has a ton of experience under his belt as a music manager, an owner of a label. Uh, like I said, the podcast network, the streaming service. He, he was a producer manager for years, so he has experience doing that as well. And he's one of the top booking agents in the world. Not to mention, he's covered in tattoos, he's wildly cool, he's straight edge, he flies planes and helicopters. Like I said on the episode, he's basically the most interesting man in the world. We get into a bit of everything on this episode. We talk about Dave's background, we talk about some of the inside baseball of our partnership together and how all that came to be. Please sit back and relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Shapiro. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me. It's nice to see you here on the Zoom. Yep. I'm pretty tired of the Zoom videos, I won't lie, but we're getting closer. It's true. Well, I'm going to get to see you in person in just under a month. Yeah, dude. So stoked. I am so happy to actually hang out with you guys. And selfishly, I'm happy to get the hell out of Portland, stupid Oregon. Hell yeah, man. It's nice and warm down here. It's like 75 degrees today. Yeah, look forward to having you down here. Oh, you're a real jerk. <laughs> Dude, it's uh it's actually nice for for Portland. Um it's I don't know, 55 degrees and sort of sunny. So, I'll take it. Cool. Hell yeah, man. That's not too bad. You could, that could be a lot worse for sure. Could be a lot worse. Well, Dave, I figured 
you know, the audience probably knows of you in some capacity. And before we go down the road of discussing our joint venture and our partnership together, which I definitely want to touch on, can you please give the the quick bio to the audience on your your history and lineage in the music industry and where all this started? Uh, sure. It's been a long road, man. I uh, have been doing this way too long. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I played in a band when I was in middle school and with some of my best friends that I grew up with. And as soon as we finished high school, we ended up getting a record deal and we signed to Victory Records and toured for a bunch of years. Um, so pretty much been doing it, you know, all the way since, since then. Um, and what I was the name to, of the band? Uh, we were called Count the Stars. We broke up like 20 years ago. Um, and uh, I remember that band. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, so anyway, so when the band broke up, I was, I always gravitated more towards the business side while I was in the band. Like, uh, you know, every band kind of has that guy that like does the business in the band. And, and that was me for our band. So I, I ended up just gravitating to that side of it. And when the band broke up, um, I did a bunch of stuff in the business, tried a bunch of different jobs. None of it really resonated with me until I became an agent. And then that's when it all kind of, the, the pieces fell into place for me. That, that kind of definitely just felt like the right fit. I've literally been doing it ever since. I guess I've been an agent for about 19 years now, you know, and then from there, you know, I've worked at all different major agencies as of about three and a half years ago. I have my own agency that I have two partners with. Um, we kind of left corporate America to start our agency. And I also do a number of other things within the music business. I have a record label, you know, that, that I also have with my partners over there. We have a podcast network. We have a live stream business. We now have the producer business with you, which we're going to get into. I did producer management for many years before you and I even met. I've owned a restaurant. I'm really into aviation. So I flight instruct, have a business doing that. Many other businesses I'm not even thinking of right now, but I guess you'd say I'm an entrepreneur more so than an agent. The agent is more just the thing that drives my entrepreneurship, if that makes sense. Well, that's amazing. You are the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> That's a lot, man. That's highly impressive. What got you into the aviation thing? I've always wanted to ask you that. I don't know, honestly. I always had a fascination with aviation. I've had it since I was really young. I was never around it. Like I never had like that uncle that flew or anything like that. I just always loved it. So yeah, when I was younger, I used to fly remote control airplanes and stuff like that. You know, as soon as I was able to, I went to flight school and started flying and been flying ever since. That was... I don't know, 17, 18 years ago, something like that. Wow. As someone that I'm not the biggest fan of flying, I wouldn't say I have like a, a full-fledged fear of flying, but I definitely get anxious. It's not my favorite thing. I can't wait to get off the plane, typically. Mm -hmm. Do you find that as a passenger, say on a public commercial flight, that you you have no fear at all? Or is it is it you you mostly don't have fear when you're the one flying? I don't really fear the flying at all, no matter who's, you know, whether I'm in the back or the front or whatever. Um, I do hate flying commercial though, actually. Like I find it super annoying um, when I have to take long commercial flights and all that. I'd much rather fly myself wherever and whenever I can. And so usually I do, if it's pretty much on the Western half of the country, I'm flying myself. And then if it's the East Coast, I, I you know, I fly myself to the East Coast sometimes, but Typically, it's just much cheaper and a much bigger time savings 
if I fly commercial, if I'm going to head to New York or something like that. So, but yeah, there's no real fear of it at this point. It's just, I find it to be much more convenient and more fun to do it myself. Gotcha quickly and we'll get off the aviation thing it's just i think it's just such a interesting thing and it, i think it sets you apart from every other ding dong in the music industry <laughs> do you have any stories any close calls or any extra turbulent flights or anything wild that has happened i mean you know i've been flying for a really long time as i mentioned um so i had a lot of flight experience i fly planes helicopters seaplanes big planes small planes you name it i just you know anything i can fly i will so you know like fortunately i've never had anything too crazy I've had a couple, you know, little things here or there that have come up. Probably the story that sticks out the most, which, you know, a lot of people have heard this story through different lenses, through different people telling it, because I had a few friends with me. But my friend Eric Tobin, who runs Hope, like he's like one of the head guys over at Hopeless Records. Um, it was me, him, my buddy Ryan Nelson, who's known as everyone calls him Dog. He manages a bunch of bunch of bands and, and owns Merch Connection. And then my friend Dave, who lives in Alaska, we all were flying a small four-seat plane from San Diego up to Alaska. And I'm going to make a very long story very short because I don't want to bore you with all these details here. But if you are going to land in Canada, you have to go through customs. If you fly over Canada, you don't have to. And I told everyone to bring their passports many times because this plane is a little shorter range. And I knew we were going to have to land and fuel up in Canada. And despite me reminding everyone a million times, Eric Tobin did not bring his passport. And I did not find that out until the morning we were set to fly into Canada. And so we ended up having to try to make it through Canada. But I told Eric, like, hey, if I have to land, I have to land. Like, I'm not going to kill us over this. So like, if we land like in Canada and you don't have your passport, you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to deal with it, you know? And we ended up having to land, but the airport we landed at didn't have any fuel, even though it was, it said it did have fuel in all the um, documentation. We went to another airport that said it had fuel. That one did, but it was in a fuel truck and there was no one at the airport, not a single person to help fuel us. So we kept going and basically ended up having to land. We got to this island called Metlakatla, which is like this, it's the only Native American land in the state of Alaska. And you need an invite from the natives to be there. But we had to land there because we didn't have fuel. We, we couldn't make it all the way to Ketchikan, which was the next city, which really wasn't much further at all. But, you know, that that short difference was going to make a difference. So we had to land there. And it was like we had this crazy couple days, like we were on this island that we weren't supposed to be on. And the like the one of the police officers ended up like picking us up in his squad car. And he ended up being like super cool and like let us stay at his house. And like it was just crazy. We ended up like racing squad cars with him and like all this crazy stuff the next morning one of one of my friends who was with us ended up getting on a uh like a water taxi took a boat to catch a can to get fuel and come back that was a crazy experience <laughs> that's probably the craziest one you know that i can think of i've got a few other crazy stories but for the most part pretty uneventful well uneventful's probably good when it comes to your flying stories traveling in general you're just gonna that's gonna happen yeah you know you you and i both know a ton of touring musicians you and i have both been in touring bands i mean i have a similar you know lineage as you do i i grew up playing in a band and doing that whole thing and yeah man you travel enough stories like that are gonna happen your idiot friend forgot a passport 
or <laughs> you know, you get robbed in Amsterdam at 10 a.m. This guy, yeah. it's just gonna happen. Exactly, man. That shit happens. It's crazy, but it's good. That's the stuff that makes it memorable, you know. Yeah, man. Something I I think sets you apart as well is that. Well, first of all, are you're still actively you refer to yourself as a straight edge person? I do. Yeah. And and how long has that been? Forever. I don't know when I first like basically like claimed that title per se, but I've been straight edge pretty much forever. I've never had a sip of alcohol before. I've never done any drugs. Wow. Yeah, and just not once. That's so yeah, I never really had that had that experience. That's impressive. I, I find it I find it really respectful. Our one of our clients, our shared clients now, Alan Day. He's also a straight edge guy. And it's not just respectful to me or worth noting in a normal life but it's especially specifically <laughs> special in the music industry sure you know and, and especially if you come from playing in bands like that's just part of the deal man you get fucked up and you try to <laughs> yeah i mean you know you see a lot of that stuff uh, you know doing what we do but just never appealed to me it was never a thing that i was i was really interested in so yeah i just never never got into that side of it i i have to ask you something super random I'm I'm watching us on this video. Do you have a disco ball in that room? Because I see this crazy light behind you that's like... I don't. I have this weird light that's in the corner that I put up a long time ago. And it's so far in the corner behind my couch. I'm just not going to go get it. And it has this stupid kind of disco-y light going. I get asked <laughs> about it all the time. Yeah, you can see... Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It looks like a, it looks like you have a disco ball at, like shining behind you. I wish it were cooler than that. The truth is, everything that you see is basically Disneyland artwork and stupid posters. And I, uh, you know, I mean, I'm such a dork. There's a Mickey watch, a Mickey clock watch. I guess you'd call it on my wall. I see that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm a hopeless Disneyland freak. Well, okay. As we kind of move into more of our our joint thing. One of the, the last thing about you specifically that I, you know, when we first started to talk and kind of get to know each other, I noticed that you're, you are unique in that you are a true serial entrepreneur. It's something that is, it's very clear to me that business and not just success, but doing things that you're interested in, working for yourself, being emancipated from the man, you know, it's something that's kind of, it's, that's kind of important to you. It's important to me as well. Can you kind of talk on that and, and why you think you're that way? Yeah. I mean, you know, I honestly don't know, you know, why per se, I just know that like, it excites me to build things. You know what I mean? Like, I love the fact that, you know, Sound Talent Group is a company that started with three of us and is now 25 of us with staff in you know, LA, San Diego, Nashville, New York, Philadelphia, you know, that, that to me is just, it, it's exciting that there's 25 people that are raising their families and paying their bills off of a business that didn't exist three and a half years ago. And that, that type of thing of kind of creating something from nothing. Um, you know, I don't know if it's like, you know, like, like bands, like they really get, you know, like they're, a lot, a lot of the bands I work with, I know just really love creating, right? Like they love making music and maybe this is like the creative parallel for me as like someone who's interested in business. You know what I mean? Like that whole kind of starting something from nothing and creating something that can then have an impact and, and actually be a, like a living, breathing, breathing thing that that's real and exists and is, is significant. And that, that's kind of like, 
doing that to me is just really exciting it, it, on all levels, whether it's a business, whether it's like, you know, working with a band that, you know, a lot of the bands I work with, I've been working with since they were, you know, very tiny bands, you know, or some of them had never even played a show before when I started to work with them, you know, and now they're bands that are headlining, you know, big venues and things like that. And just, just developing that, like that creation of something that didn't exist. And, and now is again, something tangible and real is that just, it gets me, it gets me up every day. You know, that, that excites me. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I can only imagine how cool that feels to have to have built something with your friends and to see that grow to not just something that's supporting you which is impressive on its own but to have built something that like you said is supporting 25 individual people across the country is that's not any that's not a small thing it, it's it's rad so yeah i can only imagine cuz you know up until you and i and matt and tim partnered up it was just me me and my wife but just me and the fact that I got by paying my bills doing what I'm doing was meaningful in a, in a way that's hard to explain. So yeah, I, I commend you guys for what you've done and what you've built. Yeah. Thanks man. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm super excited about the fact that now you're part of that and I get to be part of your journey and that we are in this together. You know, I think that that's, again, like that's the stuff I love. Like it's super exciting that we're doing this together now, but what I'm really amped on is to see, where we are five years from now and look backwards and are like, damn, like, remember when we did that podcast, we were talking about this, it just started and it was like all fresh. And now it's this like big behemoth of a producer management company. We've got all these great clients, a ton of employees. Like that's where I want to go and where I want to see this thing get to with, you know, with us. And I think that we can get there. And I just think that's, that's the exciting stuff is waking up every day and figuring out, well, how do we do that? How do we how do we get that to the, this next level, you know? Yeah, the process, right? It's such a like cliche thing, but you really do need to enjoy the ride. Totally. Dude, it's so important, you know, this like having goals and having, you know, dreams and aspirations, it's great. And I'm an ambitious person. And I do have like a revenue target in my head. And I have, you know, the amount of people I would like to to bring on. But at the end of the day, I really just enjoy doing this. And that's the best part about it by far. Exactly. Like you, you have to, like, if you're just waking up every day, waiting for the end of the road, what's the point, right? Like you have to enjoy the journey. Yeah. And uh, so no, I, I'm right there with you. I totally agree. And I uh, think it's, you know, that that's, that's the exciting stuff. That's, that's what we get to do every day and the end result and the kind of like building something out of it. And the outcome is really just a bonus on top. You know what I mean? It's the icing on the cake. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm happy to say that this episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a service that musicians use to put music into online stores and streaming services. These include iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, even TikTok, and many, many more. With DistroKid, you can quickly and easily distribute your music for as little as $19.99 a year. And check this out. You keep 100% of your earnings and you get unlimited uploads for one yearly fee. And to make things even easier, you can split the earnings between you and your bandmates. So when that pesky little bass player of yours gives you a hard time about not giving him his share, tell him to relax and say, 
DistroKids got this. So do yourself a favor and get started today. Go to distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash stateside and get 7% off your first year's membership. Well, our audience, Dave, for this podcast is obviously people that are not just in the music industry, but specifically producers and mixers, audio engineers, the recording side of what we do. You know, we also have people that listen that are just generally interested in entrepreneurship and business. That's been a fun journey along the way. You know, this podcast was fairly consistent and it kind of slowed way down. I haven't put out an episode forever. So this is kind of really fun for me to to get back to doing this. So I wanted to kind of address the audience and remind them that, you know, we are growing a, a producer management company. That is by definition what we're doing. And I would, I kind of want to talk with you about what that means to be a producer manager, how it's different than an artist manager. Obviously producers are artists, but it is a different uh, tool set. It's a different mindset. One of the things that occurred to me over the few years of doing this is that unlike managing, say a band or being a booking agent in your case, Mm -hmm. or a label or whatever, that is based off a specific time frame of work. You know, we have a new, our our artist has a new album out. This is that cycle, or they're going to be on a tour. So we need to route this tour under this framework of time. And so if you have a hundred people on your roster as a booking agent, you may not be booking all hundred of those people at once. Clearly it's going to ebb and flow. Who's out in the road. Who's not, but with a producer management company, you pretty much are full time with your clients all year. Mm Mm-hmm. You should be at least. This is one difference in being a producer manager. It seems obvious when I say it out loud, but when I started this thing, I, it, that didn't really click in my head until a few years into this. It's a challenge, but it's also wildly exciting for me. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, like all these different jobs have different workflows, you know, and like, you know, you're right. Like a producer is hopefully working all year, you know, and, and you're going to be busy keeping them working all year. With that said, the flip side to and and you know bands don't necessarily tour 12 months a year the flip side to that though is that you know when a band is touring and they're going to play 30 shows well that's 30 shows i have to book that's 30 dates yeah. i have to book you know yeah. when i was doing a deal for a producer i do one deal and then they'd go make a record for 6 weeks they go make a record yeah totally and sure there was work along the way to kind of maintain the project you know talking to the the artist's manager about things that pop up or, you know, whatever. But, you know, it, it, there's definitely the deals were more like longer term as opposed to just like book a show, play, book a show, play. you know what I mean? Like, yep. and yep. having that kind of just like, so it was, so I think like for producer management, it's more about, you know, like less is more in a way, like you're trying to find those right projects and, keep the producer busy on like a, a big long project that's going to be really successful for them with, or with a band. Like, you know, you're trying to hit all these different markets and book, you know, a billion cities, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's just a different thing, you know? I will say though, it depends on the producer, right? Cause there are in a perfect world. That's what I, that's what you hope for your producers that they, they get a big uh, full length record and they go for six weeks or like, like you mentioned, but in a lot of cases it's, it's mix a song here, mix a few songs there, 
or track a few songs here, track a few songs there. And that's happening more and more as we progress into this industry. It is. You are going to see a little bit more high frequency in work. And that also depends on the producer themselves, like what they want and what their goals are, what their discography is, and what kind of clientele base they have. Because sometimes that's just never really the case for a producer's career that they do those long you know, big records. It's something I I hope for. I think it's that's a better way to do it. But some people are not really interested in doing that. They want a numbers game. And, and look, and, and most artists these days, if you're not a large band with a big following, it might not make sense, especially if you're self-funded or you have a small label, it might not make sense to, to do a big full-length record. Sure. You know, it's more of like, hey, let's put out a single every month or more of the SoundCloud rapper model. Right. Like the, the, the models changed over the years. Right. Like, you know, like, yeah, you used to have to make a record. It was the only way you did it. Like that was the format. And now, yeah, bands are releasing songs here, songs there. And yep. you're right. I mean, that and that obviously changes the producer business because, yeah, a band can come in for a few days and bang out a single as opposed to six weeks and do a, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So so no, I mean, I think I think, you know, you're dead on. It's just industry is changing and evolving and we're having to evolve with it. And you know, but I think for the, it's really genre specific, but for like, for rock music, for example, I think while bands are releasing singles still and doing more of that, you know, the record is still important for, I think the rock band. Like, I think the, I agree. like the pop music fan is more, what's the word? Like finicky, I guess maybe is the word They're They're more like, they're there for the single that they heard on the radio. They're not there for the record. They listen to the single, then they listen to the next artist single. And they, you know, they like those big pop songs or whatever. For the rock band, I feel like the single drives the record and fans want to know all the music, you know? Um, I think, you know, we see that a lot of our concerts with, with our bands that we work with where fans are singing just as loud to, you know, the, the tracks on the record that, you know, may seem like they're just buried or whatever as they are to the singles. That's no, it's a really good point. And we tend to work obviously in a lot of rock, but that's not all we do. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out because it's such an interesting, it's just an interesting business producer management. It's, it's such a unique niche thing. And I, I just love it. I'm loving it more and more as I get into it. So for those, you know, people listening, if, if they are a producer or they're mixing, I want to kind of talk about the right time to reach out for management. And maybe we could kind of elaborate on that for a minute. You down to do that? Yeah, definitely. I'm seeing more and more in my end where people are emailing me and asking to talk. And it's something that maybe we could thoughtfully clarify on the podcast without being too, I don't know, judgmental. And, <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to like, I guess in a way explain that they should be busy enough to necessitate management, you know, maybe we can kind of have that conversation. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, no doubt. I think that if you're a producer and you got a growing, you know, kind of, kind of business and you're thinking about management, I mean, it really depends, I think, on what you're looking for, right? Like, what are your goals? What are you trying to look for bigger projects to work on? Are you looking for someone that can come in and kind of help manage the day-to-day of the studio where like, you're not having to keep track of your own calendar? You know, are you looking for higher profile? Maybe you're looking to get some publicity, whatever. There's a million things you could be looking for. But I think the first thing you need to figure out is what are those goals? And then the question is like, are you ready for those? Like, you know, just because you want those things doesn't mean you're necessarily at a point in your career where like those things make sense and that you are going to realistically achieve those things. You may still need to do some work to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's about a little bit of self-awareness and being honest with yourself. And, you know, and if you're not there yet, 
you know, kind of like putting in the time to get there. And if you are there, then, you know, great and start reaching out to some people. I also think there's no harm in reaching out to people regardless. I mean, maybe you find a manager that just, you know, says, you know, it's early days, but I think what you're doing is awesome and I'm passionate about it and I'll jump in. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I think it's really just a, a bit of a case by case, but those are some of the things that if it was me and I was a producer and I was having those thoughts, I think that's how I would try to kind of approach that that part of it. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree completely. I think for me too, you know, I, I've, I've at this point, you know, we'll, we'll get some more help on the direct manager side and you will likely be one of those people. But for me, I find, I, I liken it to being in a band. It's very similar in the way that when you first start out as a band, you pick your name, you get all the guys together or gals, you start writing some music, you have to go out and cut your teeth play some shitty shows for a bit and you're trying to build that following. You're not necessarily needing a manager that those first couple weeks. That doesn't make any damn sense, right? Right. And being a producer should be similar. You should be at the point where where or maybe you're having a tough time managing all that stuff yourself. That's why it's called managing. Sure. You're having a tough time managing those incoming submissions, those emails, the the text messages, the phone calls. The people DMing you on your Instagram, all the ways that bands reach out today, you know, and all the payment stuff. I mean, that is a huge thing we do for our clients. Just managing that alone is such a huge weight lifted off our producer soldiers. Totally. Yeah, 100%. There's no rule to this, right? And we're, we want to talk to everyone. But yeah, I think that's kind of a good rule of thumb. Maybe, like you said, do some internal thought on that. You know, like, am I manageable? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. That's an important question. Like, are you willing to share not just the finances with your manager who is a partner, but are you willing to share the communication? Are you willing mm -hmm. to share everything with them? Because those are the clients we're looking for is actual partners. Because that's that's what this is. It is a partnership. A hundred percent. That is dead on. So Dave, we have people from all walks of life, all ages, all points in their career. What is some helpful tips you can give to someone just starting out, whether they are a producer, mixer, or they are playing in a band, they're starting a new business. What's some kind of helpful tips you could give them? This is going to sound really cliche, but I, you know, but it's true. Instead of focusing on like what they can be doing on the business side and all these things, just make good music. Like that's where it all starts. If you can't do that, the rest doesn't matter. It's such a good recommendation. <laughs> it just is. I know you hear all these like tactics and specific things and social media or not social media. You're right. It has to be about the music. Yeah, I, th I think that's really it. And when you think songs are great that you wrote, like ask other people, people that you trust, people that will be honest with you. Like, don't just be, you're always going to have a bias. You know, you're going to be close to those songs. Ask other people and keep writing. When you think you wrote the best song you've ever wrote, write a better one. Right. That's the stuff that like the rest will follow after that. But you got to have good tunes because otherwise everything that you're focusing on from a business perspective is a waste of time because everything you're pushing and you're trying to kind of sell to people is not going to connect. So what's the point? You know what I mean? So like, I think that's where it all starts. I love that. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I was thinking about our partnership and how you, Matt and Tim approached me, specifically you. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I don't think you would have ever reached out to me if I didn't focus on my version of that. Obviously, I'm not creating music myself, but I have to create a good reputation and a good work ethic. Mm -hmm. And I have to build something by myself for a little bit. You have to turn inward and just go. A hundred percent. If I if I personally didn't do that, you know, our partnership wouldn't have happened. And now that we have 
come together. Now we will have more opportunities for our, our clients. We are going to build something bigger and greater. So I think that's a really good tip to give specifically someone playing in a band. Stop worrying about all the the minutia and, and how to get big and how to open for a bigger band. And you're, if you're great, people will start noticing. I do believe in that. A hundred percent. I totally agree. I think that's, yeah, that's exactly it. So um, and agreed, man, like that is exactly what you, you know, what you were doing, which really got you and I talking like, you know, your yeah. reputation was out there and you were building your, like you said, your own version of that. And I think, yeah, whether you're in a band or you're in business or whatever, like just, just hone in on your craft before you start trying to take all these big steps, you know? Totally. It's such, it's sometimes not the advice that people want to hear when they're just starting out totally or when they're really hungry, but it is the truth. It is the best advice. Yeah. People want to skip steps, you know, but they I do. think that, that it's, it's just important not to do that. Nope. Or yep. Rather in that case, Dave, we are in the year 2022 and the music industry has changed so much since you and I were little kids. We're, we're exactly the same age. We're both in our late thirties and you know, we grew up in a time where we can remember compact discs going to the store and buying that that record or that cd the new tool cd that was a moment in the music industry that may not happen again as far as like a physical product and and the the value <laughs> they made so much damn money off those cds you know because it costs uh, yeah. next to nothing to produce and yep. god almighty and then obviously the napster era and and the myspace days and now we've we've come into the digital age where streaming is king and being a content creator only helps your your uh music business where do you land on the current state of affairs like are you hopeful for the music industry do you think we're headed in a good direction i do i think that like there's some things that obviously need to be worked on you know i'm hoping that we could see streaming royalties come up you know and some of the things like that but i think there's yeah. a conversation around those types of things happening and things are going to continue to evolve and hopefully it gets there you know but i am hopeful i think that it's going to take time like anything but i do think that you know, we're going to continue to head in the right direction. Well, that's good. You know, I think there's some smart people out there doing some good things with those, with that stuff. And, and hopefully we continue to see that grow. That's good to hear. Cause I mean, the barrier to entry is less now, you know, yeah. those, the nineties that I just referred to, you had, you really had to get a record deal. You had to get all these things in place for anyone to ever hear you, the radio system and MTV and all that. And nowadays that's still important and you should strive for those things, but you can now just start. You can just start a band and upload to Spotify and get a YouTube account and get some social media going, start playing shows. You don't have to wait for anyone for anything now. And that I think is great. Yeah, it's true. And it's definitely like one of the exciting things because you don't have to get a hundred thousand dollar budget from the label to go make a record in order to be, you know, heard, right? Like now you can just actually like, you know, go in your bedroom, get your computer out and do it. And like, you can become successful just from doing that. And so it has, it, you're right. Like the barrier to entry is pretty much gone. And I think that that's so important. Like the labels used to hold all the cards to any sort of distribution. And now like you just post something online, you're distributed. Boom, done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a big deal. I, I think, 
those things have changed for the better. There's no doubt about it. Are you hopeful for rock music as a genre? I am. I think that when you look at like all these big festivals that are, you know, continuing to grow, um, whether it's all the stuff that, you know, Danny Wimmer's doing and, and those guys or like this, you know, big, like when we were young festival just went on sale. It's like huge, you know, they ended up adding two extra shows, selling out three nights immediately. Like, you know, th- those are good signs. Like, I, I think there's no doubt that, you know, things are, you know, people, people care. There, there is a, a huge following for it there still. And there's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails just put on uh, a presale today for a show that's in September. The presale sold out, sold out in like an hour. Yeah. It's incredible. The public sale goes on tomorrow morning, hoping to secure a ticket. Heck yeah. That should give you an idea. I mean, Nine Inch Nails put out their first record in 1989. Yeah. <laughs> for crying out loud. It's crazy. And the fact that they're still kicking and drawing that much demand. I mean, thousands and thousands of people will be going to this one single show. And you know, that's obviously like a big level. Nine Inch Nails is like, you know, staple music industry artist. But sure. I think the other thing to remember is, you know, and specifically about rock genre or any genre, just because it's not mainstream, it's not Ariana Grande or Billie Eilish doesn't mean that there isn't something happening. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a really large following. Think of how many times you and I will hear of a band that you've never heard of. And then you look into it, you're like, oh, they play in front of like 1,500 people everywhere they go around the world. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've never even heard of this band. This is a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Totally. It happens all the time. Everywhere. Happens all the time. Yeah. And I, I love that. That's great, man. And I, I don't know if that was as possible back in the day when we were growing up. Totally. It's pretty cool, man. It, it's definitely it cool, is cool that that's been able to become a thing. And I think you're only going to see more of that. Yeah. And that's not just music. That's everything, you know? Oh, yeah. It would have been a lot harder for me to do stateside management in 1995. You know, I could have done it. I technically could have done it, but I would have had to really like do the whole, I would have had to move to Los Angeles and be interned for years and like work my way up and, you know, work for a management company for years before I could ever even have the audacity to start my own thing. Yeah. But now it's like, you you got it. Like you said, you got a laptop, start a website, start reaching out, networking. You might fall on your face for a couple of years like I did, (laughs) but you'll figure it out over time. And that's a, it's a beautiful thing. Totally, man. Absolutely. I think that you got to start somewhere and you're right. Like, I think the way that things are now, like it definitely has helped people be able to do those things and be able to, yeah, like it's just made it more accessible. There's no doubt about it. Well, this has been super fun, man. I think like you said, in a couple of years, we'll look back and this will be sort of a time capsule for us. <laughs> you know, Agreed, man. As we're getting to know each other and, and starting out with a new business together. I can't wait to keep, you know, getting to know you, Matt and Tim. And I'm just so stoked, man. I'm unbelievably excited for our, our new partnership. Yeah, man. Well, me too. Right back at you on all this. And, uh, Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. Normally ask guests, Dave, where they can find you and if they if you want to throw out your social media handle, but that's not so much a thing that you're into doing these days. So I don't know if that's something you want to do or not, but is there somewhere you want to plug Sound Talent or whatever? Yeah, soundtalentgroup.com is a good place to find me. You know, that's like that's you know, I've got our roster and everything else there. Um, like you said, I don't really do social media anymore. I still have those accounts, so I'm at Dave Velocity on Instagram, but um, but yeah, I never really post anymore or anything like that. So yeah. Soundtalentgroup.com. That'll work for now. And uh, statesidemgmt.com is, is Stateside's uh, website. Well, thank you for the time, Dave. We have a lot to talk about off air. 
And so we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sure the rest of the week, but yeah, thanks for the time. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>